Good morning. And good morning to those who are joining us online. If you are watching through our Facebook live feed, please be sure to use the comment section and introduce yourself so you can kind of connect with each other as a community online as well. Today is All Saints Day, a day that we remember those who have brought us to faith, those that have carried on the faith, and for us to remember our loved ones in this time. So I invite you to join with me in the responsive call to worship. It will be on the screen. It's also in your blue sheet that was handed out to you. It will be there for you at home as well. On our pilgrimage of faith in a changing and uncertain world, we remember all those who taught us faith. God of grace, by whose love the world exists. This time our choir ensemble will lead us in For All the Saints. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence today. As we gather both online and in person, we're thankful on this day that we remember the saints who've gone before us, those who have planted the seeds of faith in us, those who've brought us great memories that we cherish. We appreciate the love that's been transmitted to us through them the love that comes from you. So on this day in which we remember those who have passed in our personal lives, in our church, and as we also look ahead 
We pray that we might be shaped into your image to the point that we might become one of those saints. Not anything special, just people who endure and hold faithful to your call. Give us that spirit today on this All Saints Day, through Christ who is our Lord. Amen. This time, Pastor Matt Hantelman will share with us the, the history of All Saints Day. Good morning. I'm Matt Hantelman, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First, and I'm glad you're joining us this morning on this All Saints Sunday. The holiday of All Saints Day, in some form, is as old as the canonization of the Bible. It was originally a celebration of all martyrs in the faith and was expanded to include all saints and moved to November 1st during the reign of Pope Gregory III from 731 to 741 CE. That Pope also dedicated a chapel in St. Peter's Rome in honor of all saints. It was part of a three-day celebration, October 31st, All Hallows' Eve, November 1st, All Saints' Day, and November 2nd, All Souls' Day. In the Methodist Church, we celebrate All Saints' Day as a celebration of all of those who have passed on into life eternal. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, wrote in his journals that All Saints' Day was a festival that he truly loved. He also cautioned against seeing saints as above anyone else. In the Methodist Church, we celebrate all saints, whether famous or obscure, who have run the race to completion. As we celebrate, we are reminded also of our call to be the saints of God while here on earth, spreading God's love and kingdom wide. And today, we remember those who have gone before us and join as one body of believers, both here and in life eternal, in the praise of God our Father. And as we do, I invite you to hear these words from Come, Let Us Join Our Friends Above, written by Charles Wesley. Come, let us join our friends above who have obtained the prize and on the eagle's wings of love to joy celestial rise. Let the saints on earth unite to sing with those to glory gone, for all the servants of our King in earth and heaven are one. I invite you to join with me again looking at your handout for the All Saints Day Liturgy. It's a response of sharing as well. We remember, O oh God, 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 the 
we remember in every time and place the saints of God who have shown us the Lord. This time we remember those who have passed away as members of our church at Noblesville First. We'll read their name, light a candle in their honor. Carol Ballad. Ginny Burt. Ed Catlett. Nancy Clinton. Bunny Fogelsong. Victor Harbor. Kathy Harlow. Annabelle Hart. Joey Jenkins. Helen Killebrew. Sharon Klein. Joan Overhalser. Richard Overhalser. Alice Snyder, and then I'm sure each of us have someone in our own hearts and minds that we remember, so all other loved ones. And then we pray for those who we've lost in our community, especially those who've been lost due to COVID-19. Let us pray. Lord, each of these candles represents a life. Many of those we've cherished in this congregation, in our personal lives. We pray for all the loved ones connected to these names read today, to those that are in our hearts. I'm sure each one of us have at least one special person that's come to our mind today. And we also pray for those who have suffered in the tragic loss of those who died to COVID-19. May they feel the comfort and strength that comes through your Holy Spirit. May they feel what's in our hearts as a faith community. This is our hope and a prayer on this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. We're the Reading family. Our scripture readings this morning come from Psalm chapter 107, verses 1 through 7, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, and 17 through 20. Give thanks to the Lord, because he is good, because his faithful love lasts forever. 
That's what those who are redeemed by the Lord say, the ones God redeemed from the power of their enemies, the ones God gathered from various countries, from east and west, north and south. Some of the redeemed had wandered into the desert, into the wasteland. They couldn't find their way to the city or town. They were hungry and thirsty. Their lives were slipping away. So they cried out to their Lord in their distress, and God delivered them from their desperate circumstances. God led them straight to human habitation. Well, Psalm 107 that you just heard, it's a psalm of thanksgiving, praising God for delivering God's people from a variety of troubles. Sometimes it's guesswork when you read the Psalms to try to pinpoint the exact time period that that Psalm was written and intended to, what its historical context was, but most people believe that this Psalm was written when the people of Israel had been restored from exile in Babylon. They'd been taken captive a generation before by King Nebuchadnezzar, and now many of them were being allowed to return to a new life back in Israel. But it would be a rugged existence because most of the cities had been destroyed and life, the land was, was pretty much devastated. This psalm, though, is filled with cautious optimism, a hope that is not yet re- realized but is generated by a trust that God has now redeemed them and has good things in mind for their future. The psalm spoke to me for this All Saints Day. Its word pictures, I thought, describe well the challenges that we are experiencing. The faithful whose lives we celebrate, the losses that we grieve in the midst of a pandemic that's made everything different and difficult. COVID-19 has been our invisible enemy that has made everything we do harder and some things impossible. The psalm celebrates that a people who were scattered are now being brought back together from east, west, north, and south. Our isolation and limitations have made us feel like we are living in a desert, deprived of so many things we took for granted. Distress is a good word for us. It shares our many feelings as we long for this pandemic to be over so we can return to the things that make life worth living and the gatherings that bring us our greatest joys. On this All Saints Day, I'd like to offer some words to help us deal with the special challenges this pandemic has created for the very natural process of grieving. I've experienced six funerals during this time of the pandemic. Two of those funerals I presided over were for people who died of COVID-19. There are people in our congregation who have passed in which thus far the family's not been able to hold any kind of public funeral. And the challenge is, is that our grief doesn't take time off. They're still there. It's still there for those who've lost loved ones this past year, and many are having to face that grief without the benefit of funeral rituals, which is a critical part of our grieving process. Many are having to endure grief and feelings of depression and greater isolation. As a pastor in a pastoral care situation, I'm finding that I'm having to face these situations like I've got one hand tied behind my back. 
the things that you normally do that help bring comfort to people in a time such as that, even as simple as just a hug or the conversations that happen before and after a funeral are lost. I found myself in my former church in New Albany. I was presiding over the funeral of the person who played the organ in that church for 55 years, the same church for 55 years. And the family did everything they could do to try to make things as safe as possible. They required everyone to wear masks. They even stood behind the chancel altar rail just so people wouldn't be tempted to give them a hug. I noticed the difficulty in trying to navigate. I was seeing people I hadn't seen in years and wanted to have a meaningful conversation, but the aisles were so tight you couldn't pass through without coming too close to someone else. And to not be able to sing the hymns that she had played for us for all those years just seemed so wrong. But these are the challenges we're facing in this pandemic world. We take for granted the power that is found in gathering together, experiencing the presence of the people you might talk to only briefly, but just knowing they show up means a lot. Funerals and the rituals that come with them, they literally kickstart the grieving process for us. Well, it's certainly understandable during this pandemic to forgo the challenges that holding a funeral bring. My concern is how the grieving process is interrupted or even suppressed. Grieving is a process that has stages that need to be experienced and feelings that need to be expressed. And if we don't do the hard work of grief, we're setting ourselves up for complications that will impact our enjoyment of life, our vital relationships, and even our connection with God. There are many that are suggesting that our grief is actually intensified during this coronavirus crisis because we're seeing the dangers of this virus broadcast on the news all the time, constantly. Our precautions add to our isolation and they limit our support structures. We're experiencing a decrease in activity levels. Those things that lead to more thinking time that make us obsess over it even more. We lose our hobbies and our interests that provide helpful distractions. So what can we do to grieve well in this challenging time? Let me offer some suggestions for how to handle your grief. We have people now that just even this week have been placed in hospice. They're going to have to make these decisions here very soon. One I'd suggest still hold the funeral. Just make it smaller. Make it safer. We can live stream it. We live stream here. Funeral homes often live stream, which provides opportunity for people who are miles away, out of town, can share in that experience as well. Include people who can't be at that service by recording a reading or a scripture or a song or their memories of that loved one and include it in the service. Invite others to send photos that can be sent electronically and included in the montage that's often showed before a funeral starts or during the calling hours. Have your family help you set up teleconference calls and set them up so they can be done periodically. Every few weeks or once a month as you go through this this grieving process, bringing people together on a regular basis, knowing it's for your benefit can be so, so helpful. Set up a virtual memorial book, blog, or web page to remember your loved one. And then that becomes a resource you can go back to many, many times. 
Or create activities that reflect the interest of that loved one and invite others to share in it. One of those persons we remember today was Nancy Clinton. Just a couple weeks ago, we did the committal service for her, which they put her remains in the cemetery, even though her funeral was held months before, just before the pandemic hit. But when the pandemic hit, they couldn't go through that process. And so they've waited months and months. So when the family gathered together, I invited them just to share a memory, something about Nancy they've missed in the last few weeks. And several of them shared that one of the things about Nancy was she was a very social person. And so one of her favorite things to do was to gather with family or friends in the backyard or around the table and share a glass of wine. And Nancy Clinton not only was a social person, she was a classy person. And for her, that wine always had to be a Chardonnay. And it was interesting, because I remember that. We shared that at her funeral. But it was shared in that little small committal service by a couple others that they had met a couple times, Zooming with other family members, and they broke out a bottle of Chardonnay wine and shared it together in her honor. Do the things that help remind you of that person and celebrate that. Create a small memorial in your home or garden. Make it a place that you can turn to when you're ready to go deal with those feelings and need to do from time to time. I've already shared how one person in our congregation had lost their spouse and could not conduct the funeral, but he came home for the funeral home making her arrangements and discovered that 25 to 30 of his neighbors in the condominium complex he was at had lit a candle in her honor outside his house. And in this time especially, don't be afraid to ask for help. With all the challenges we've just described, now more than ever we need to feel the freedom to reach out, call for a counselor, draw upon one of our pastoral care teams. We're ready to help at any time. Grief Share is just a wonderful support group experience that's offered here that helps you navigate carefully. It's a powerful tool to help you go through that grief process. And most of all, let me remind you of the resource that is our faith. Let me use the words of that 107th Psalm. It says, We have a God who is good, whose faithful love lasts forever. God invites us to cry out in our distress and will deliver us from our desperate circumstances and lead us back to a life worth living. Amen. Each week, we take a moment during the service to highlight a ministry that is supported by your faithful giving. This week, we'd like to lift up our care team and specifically our Grief Share program. Our Grief Share support group serves those who have lost loved ones and who are in need of encouragement and support through their grief. Our Grief Share group has met twice a year for over eight years. You remember, brothers and sisters, our efforts and hard work. We preached God's good news to you while we worked night and day so we wouldn't be a burden on any of you. You and God are witnesses of how holy, just, and blameless we were toward you, believers. Likewise, you know how we treated each of you like a father treats his own children. We appealed to you, encouraged you, 
and pleaded with you to live lives worthy of the God who is calling you into his own kingdom and glory. Brothers and sisters, we were separated from you for a while, physically, but not in our hearts. We made every effort to, in our desire to see you again, face to face. We wanted to come to you. I, Paul, tried over and over again, and Satan stopped us. What is our hope, joy, or crown that we can brag about in front of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Isn't it all of you? You are our glory and joy. Am I on now? Okay, like I said, technology. Pastor Jerry has shared about Psalm 107, and so we're going to turn now to 1 Thessalonians, which is interesting because this is thought to be the first letter of Paul, and therefore the earliest text that we have in our New Testament. Scholars believe it was written around 50 A.D., and in this letter, he highlights the early struggles of the new Christians who have turned from pagan worship to worshiping the one God through Jesus Christ. Paul writes to them as they are wrestling with the ideas of Jesus one day returning. They are conflicted as to how to worship and conduct themselves in this in-between time. So Paul pleads with the community to remind them of how they are loved, encouraged, and cared for. Even more than that, he encourages them to adopt a spirit of cooperation as they move forward as a community of faith in an uncertain time. On this day, as we honor and remember those who have gone before us, as well as lift up the saints that are still with us today, Paul's words are a hopeful reminder that our work here and now is not yet done. While we find ourselves physically separated from one another by death or by life circumstances during this time of COVID-19, be encouraged. As Paul says to those in the Thessalonian church, those who work together for the glory of God are the hope, joy, and crown of God's kingdom. So as we are here this morning, we remember his words. And as Pastor Jerry shared with us, there are many ways that we are grieving during this time. It is a season of loss for many of us. Not just loss of loved ones, but loss of time spent with family or friends. Loss of opportunity to travel, perhaps, or even do day-to-day -day things that were once part of our routine. There has been a lot of disappointment. I'm remembering how disappointed I was this past spring that we had to cancel our trip to Disney World. It would have been Xavier's first trip there. Or the disappointment that many of our young people felt that graduation would not look the same. Or that college, starting college, would not be the same as it was. 
I know weddings were postponed or guest lists were cut way back. Events or gatherings that we looked forward to were no longer on our calendars. Disappointment and grief like this and or over any kind of loss can easily overwhelm us. That same thing was being felt in that early Thessalonian church as they suffered persecution and pressure from the outside world. As followers of Jesus, they were in the minority and an easy target. They needed a word of hope, and so do we. Paul's letter would have been read aloud, and it was a much-needed word of encouragement to the community. So instead of turning to one another and becoming bitter, they would have to learn to work together. My son, Xavier, is almost five, and he's at that age where he is finally learning that it's a good thing to be helpful rather than to try to fight for everything. Disappointment is an everyday occurrence in the life of a five-year-old. If I don't get him a snack fast enough, or if he puts his shoes on the wrong feet, or if he can't have chocolate or a cookie for breakfast, he has a meltdown. Or if someone takes the toy that he wanted, even though there are ten others. Or if a friend isn't playing with him the way that he thinks they should be playing with him, he has a meltdown. But lately, I watched him develop a more cooperative spirit. So this is him helping clean at his dad's apartment last week. (laughs) He isn't letting disappointment be the only narrative of his everyday activities. He helps. He works with other kids. He shares more. He realizes that if you ask someone to help you build something, it could be a lot better than it would have been if he had done it by himself. When he decides to cooperate with me or his dad rather than fight us over every little thing, he finds out that's a pretty good thing, and he's rewarded. So when he remembers this, he is happier, and he's a more helpful kid. He sets a good example for others, too. He doesn't let those disappointments overwhelm him. So on this All Saints Sunday, many of us come with a deep sense of loss or disappointment and grief. And this year, it is especially deep and complicated. We have to acknowledge that. There's no getting around it. So as we offer our thoughts and our memories, our prayers, and our time this morning that we've honored our saints, may we do this with a sense of community and a spirit of cooperation. May we do this without letting our disappointment and grief overwhelm us. As Paul says to his community, though they are physically apart from one another, keep up the good work. Work together. Be encouraged. And know that you are the glory, the hope, and the joy when you are part of building the God, the God's kingdom here and now. May this be so. Amen. Each week, we take a moment during the service to highlight a ministry that is supported by your faithful giving. This week, we'd like to lift up our care team and specifically our Grief Share program. Our Grief Share support group serves those who have lost loved ones and who are in need of encouragement and support through their grief. Our Grief Share group has met twice a year for over eight years, and through those sessions, we have met over 250 participants 
and shared with them in their journey through grief. We thank you for your continued faithful giving to support ministries like this one. If you're looking to get involved here at Noblesville First, we invite you to check out the Opportunities to Serve tabs on both our website and church app, or if you're in person, in the action card in your pew. We'd like to highlight an opportunity today to join the Christmas decoration team. The hanging of the greens is just around the corner, and we could use a few more volunteers to help. Please contact Carol Miller if you're interested. And now, as we move into a time of offering, which is available online through the church app, mailing a check into the church office, or if you're in person, dropping it off in one of the baskets as you leave, please join me in a word of prayer to bless the offering. God, we thank you again for this morning, for the opportunity to join together wherever we are as a community of believers in worship of your name. We ask that you bless this time of offering, that you use these gifts and these tithes to your purpose and your kingdom and the spreading of your gospel of love to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Those of you that are worshiping at home, we invite you now to go find something in your house to represent the bread and the cup. And if it's not juice or wine, that's okay. Remember in those days they were using the elements that were most common to them. So go find something in the refrigerator that represents those things for you. One of the things we celebrate the United Methodist Church is that we believe in an open communion, which means any person of any age, wherever you might be in your faith journey, are invited to share in this sacrament. You don't have to be a member of this congregation. We believe it is a means of God's grace. We never want to stand in the way of it being shared with each person wherever they are. So we recall the night that Jesus was betrayed. When he gathered around with his disciples And he picked up the loaf and he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Likewise, he lifted the cup and after having given thanks, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. So I invite you at this time to open your communion elements, to share in the wafer, that represents Christ's body and the cup that represents his blood. We celebrate the union, the unity that the sacrament brings together of all Christians and especially us today. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, his life that was given on our behalf to bring about forgiveness, to bring about a renewal of the covenant that unites us once again with you and with one another. May that unity bring us the peace, the assurance, 
and the confidence to move forward to become the people you call us to be. This is our hope and prayer in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. This time the choir ensemble will share the song Rejoice in God's Saints. have a few announcements to share the life of our church before we go. Uh, please remember, it's very helpful to us to have reservations, so just know to plan for keeping us all safe. And you can do that now several ways. You can uh, call the church office or go to our website at noblesofirst.com. You'll see the Save Me a Seat button for each of the three services we're now offering. And today, you can now just use the action card, and one of the options we have for opportunities is to check for your reservation for next Sunday if you'd like to do that. Try to make that as easy as possible. Just helps us prepare to make sure that we're ready. And remember, if for some reason you decide to come at the last minute, that's okay too. We do have overflow seating just in case we overflow our maximum seating for safe social distancing. Uh, the Vineyard is a new concept of how we're connecting every person in our congregation beyond Sunday morning worship. Our goal is to create a branch for everyone, so we are looking for people that want to be a part of a branch, and we'll get you connected with others, and we're also looking for people who would like to learn more about being a branch facilitator. It's a very simple process, because we believe we can connect by phone, by text, by Zoom, or in person, whatever fits our schedules and our level of uh, safety concerns. So just email care at noblesofirst.com to learn more about how to get involved with a branch. We're having a Halloween parade today at 5.30, and if you'd like to decorate your car, please show up at 5.15. The parade will start at 5.30. We're going to head over to Nova Manor Apartments. We'll be sharing candy with them. We'll do it in a safe way. And uh, so please show up there, and if you want, you can just come and walk along with the parade as we'll go very slowly over there. Uh, don't miss next Sunday's worship. We'll be launching our generosity campaign. We've got Kristen Airy, who's the TV voice of the Indiana Pacers, who's going to help us launch this campaign. Uh, he's got some connections to our congregation that's helpful. We'll be sharing an interview with Chris at the 8.30 and 11 o'clock worship as well as at home on the live streams. He'll be sharing what motivates his generosity as we kick off our campaign. Be looking for a brochure that will come to your home uh, the following week. 
And tomorrow noon is the deadline for our in-person First Friday luncheon. Cost is $11. Register online using the graphic link at noblesofirst.com or call the church's church office by tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll be hearing Pastor Mindy Mays of Bethel AME Church is our program. The meals uh, catered by Mike Cowart, and it'll be $11 for that. Our confirmation call-out is uh, meeting Sunday, November 15th at 12.30 p.m. via Zoom. So email either Pastor Jill or Tom Shriver-McGreevy to make your reservation so that you get the Zoom invite to see about your interest in the confirmation process this coming year. Karen Staten is coordinating our Starbucks for Students program this year with COVID-19 changing all of our schedules for college students. Uh, We are going to offer that gift virtually, so we need emails. We need the best email for our college students, for trade school students, as well as military personnel so we can forward that to them when they get it. We're also looking for contributions to help fund that program. Phyllis Hunter asked if I'd just share that Bags, Baskets, and Blessings have now taken down their website and preparation for their stroll and buy that will be held here November 13th and 14th at the church, so you can look at the baskets and bags that they have available on that date and buy those in time for your Christmas celebrations. And finally, if you're new, please be sure to see Bonnie Zickcraft afterwards. She's got a free gift for you and a little bit of uh, information about our church ministries. Uh, Please remember that as we go forth, we'll exit those persons at the back first. Please keep your mask on. Take your conversations outside so we keep each other safe. And we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Now go forth as God's people, knowing that we are one of the saints. For the saints are those who endure, made possible by the love and grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.